FM. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A variety of things that we're going to take a look at on this Wednesday. Inflation. That's probably got to top on everybody's list. Also, what's happening with China? We've had two weeks of sales. Are they backing off or could we possibly see one before the holiday? We'll get a look at what's happening um, not only in South America, but what we're hearing about planting progress here in the States. And E15 into the summer, that announcement made... Uh, just yesterday has caused some excitement, uh, at least from the corn producers we're hearing comments from on social media and through text messages. A lot of folks excited about that opportunity. We'll get all the details and a lot more as we look at the markets today with Arlen Suderman. Arlen is with Stonex. And let's start out talking inflation. You can't hide from it. It's be- definitely been a, a market talk and a news talk as of late. Yeah, it's been very frustrating because uh, a year ago, our leadership uh, in Washington was, and I'm not just talking about uh, in administration or Congress, but I'm talking about the central bank as well, Federal Reserve, kept talking about, oh, it's it's just uh, transitory. We don't need to worry about it. And there were too many danger signals that were up at the time. And, and you and I had this conversation at the time, how there's too many sticky parts of this inflation that uh, if we didn't see the Fed start to act soon, we were going to see it get out of hand. And I fear now that is happening. Uh, we're at 40-year highs. We've received the data this week on the consumer price index, which is inflation at the consumer level. Uh, the the CPI rose to a 40-year high pace in March of 8.5% year-on-year. And uh, up that, and that's up from the 7.9% annual pace we saw in February. Uh, and then today we saw the the um one would say the producer price index and the producer price index uh is inflation at the wholesale level and that has to be passed on to the consumer level yet and so that came in the headline number at a record 11.2 percent now i say a record because the producer price index is only about a dozen years old so it doesn't go back to the 40 so we can't say it's also a 40-year highs but uh we don't have the data to show that but uh, i believe it really is kind of at 40 your highs as well. So it's getting out of hand. Typically, the central bank, the Federal Reserve, needs to take interest rates above the inflation rate in order to bring inflation back under control. But they've waited so long to do so that inflation is so out of control now, they could have done it a year ago when the economy was raging strong and had plenty of room to do it and avoided us now. We do have some added inflation significantly, especially in the energy markets and the food markets as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. But had they started to act last spring when the economy is strong, brought inflation under control, we would have been able to better handle what come out of the Ukrainian war now, and it wouldn't be creating so many problems. So that's a concern. Now, how does that relate to the commodities If you look at that data that's been released this week, um, the Federal Reserve likes to look at the core inflation that excludes the more volatile food and energy sectors. But if you look at where the inflation is at, it's in energy, it's in food prices, and it's in shelter. All three of those things are essential for people to live. And so it does really impact the consumer and it affects the commodity sector. It's 
difficult. There's limited ways that funds wanting to hedge their the value of their portfolio from the erosion of inflation. It's more difficult to uh, hedge that in the futures market against inflation. Um, but that's part of why they're going out there and buying a lot of land, the hard assets. But from the energy and food sector, they can buy the commodities in the food and energy sectors, and that's what they're doing. And we've really seen that play out over the last couple of days. Now, it certainly was true yesterday, and, and I don't want to say those commodities don't have their own fundamentals. They do, but that's what makes them attractive as an inflation hedge as well. And yesterday, that was certainly true. Today, that was true in the energy sector and on the food sector. We did see us come out of the night with some profit-taking, but it was mostly an inside day, inside yesterday's trading range. And when underneath support held, we saw that buying come back in, and we had a good solid finish in the ags as well for the most part. And so a lot of outside money coming in as part of this inflation story. So as you look at, at at that, and obviously folks are really closely watching their pennies and, and what's happening, E15 into the summer comes as a good time to hopefully bring down some of these gas prices to give folks the extra income they need. It, it does. Um, I, I really wish they could have made a permanent instead of a temporary waiver. There's some legal reasons why they didn't do that. I understand that. But a lot of stations are reluctant to make the change until it is made permanent. And so until that happens, it's probably going to limit the amount of impact, maybe increase demand for corn by 25, 50 million bushels. Um, we'll take it. Um, agriculture will certainly take it. And it's a step in in the right direction. And I think that's the way most people in the industry see it is when it comes to Washington, you take your incremental victories. And now that they've got this, then they'll start working on the next step um, to to get uh, more year-round permanence to this uh, E15 and be able to uh, increase demand longer term from more ethanol being sold at the E15 level. A few of the grain guys I was talking about called it a little bit of a golden nugget for them, at least some optimism as, as we head into the spring planting season. Well, and I think related to that, just to see some um, hard facts, uh, fast support from the Biden administration for the biofuels industry, which we saw several announcements on that this week. And until now, we've really kind of, they've kind of waffled. Are they supportive of the biofuels or are they not? This gave a little bit more support uh, toward that end. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue into the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We're going to start out, kick it off with what's happening with the crops here in the States. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. We're back with another Fontenelle feature. I'm Joe Gangwish of Fontenelle Hybrids, visiting with dealer Norm Brueger in the Albion area. Norm, tell us about one of the positive aspects that you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle. I feel that uh, the Fontenelle seed uh, is very consistent year in and year out. You know, the weather in Nebraska, we got late plant, we've got drought, we've got insect pressure, and Fontenelle seems to be steady. We're always kind of rolls right through all of those weather conditions and uh, anything Mother Nature throws, it, it seems to uh, withstand the conditions that we plant in very, very well. 
They are wonderful to work with uh, Fontenelle people. We've had excellent district sales managers and return customers. Uh, they come back. They're satisfied. It's a real joy working with Fontenelle people. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can certainly contact Norm Brueger in the Albion area, any one of your local Fontenelle dealers, or you can find us on Facebook or by going to Fontenelle.com. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We continue our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. He is with Stonex. And I was reading your, I guess it was your midday commentary that you sent out today and really talking about uh, the weight prices and what's been happening. There's a lot of ongoing concerns as to what we're seeing condition-wise here in the U.S. and obviously knowing the supply situation that's happening in Ukraine. Yeah, with Ukraine largely absent from the global export market, that makes a a tight situation even tighter in virtually all the commodities, but especially wheat and corn. And so it's something we're watching closely, and that puts more emphasis then on the need to not have any more problems than any other major production areas of the world. And so right now the focus is on the Plains hardwood winter wheat crop, where obviously it's been quite dry through the winter into the spring. We did have a period in March where we saw some good rains in the central part of the of the plains uh, and then it kind of dried up again and a lot of areas still missed that as well it was kind of a one-time event and we'll take it but we needed a lot more and the forecasters continue to try to put some rain some drought breaking rains in the forecast but they tend to just kind of fizzle out and and don't do the job needed. We're not getting the changes in we need in the atmosphere in order to change things. And so the winter wheat crop continues to struggle. If we look at it from a condition index score standpoint, where we look at the good, excellent, fair, poor, and very poor categories, we get an index of 281 right now for this winter wheat crop. And that's on a scale where 500 is a perfect crop. That's the second lowest in the 35-year history that USDA has been posting crop ratings. That's second lowest for this time of year, for early April. And so if you look back at other years, every time that that index at this time of year has been below 320, we've had a below-trend yield in the wheat. The only question is how far below trend will it end up being? And that's going to depend on the weather largely over the next six weeks. We did see a two-point increase in that index um, over the past week on Monday's crop progress report. But that didn't tell the whole story. If you look at what most in the trade look at, they just look at the good and excellent ratings of the crop. And looking at good to excellent, we did come up a couple of points. Um, And in most years, that correlates well with yield potential. But in years like this, I like the condition index score because it looks at all five categories. So you could have a – and Kansas ratings are a good example. When we look at the Kansas ratings, the good to excellent went up two points to 34%. When we look at the poor to very poor – they also went up two points uh, to to uh, 32%. When you put it all together in the condition index score, Kansas index actually went down. And so that's a case where you just look at the good to excellent, you think Kansas crop improved over the past week. If you look at the entire spectrum of the condition ratings, the condition of the Kansas crop actually went down over the past week. And so you can see that as an example on nationally. In a year like this, I think it's important to look at the total picture. And we've got a crop that's facing a lot of problems going forward. 
and uh, we need a turnaround real fast. In fact, for a lot of the wheat, it's too late. We saw a lot of it moving with the winds that we had this last week. Hot, dry winds moving the dirt. It's so sad to see that topsoil disappearing, and I know farmers are doing everything they can to try to hold it. Yeah, it definitely has been frustrating, the rains that have been missed. Uh, having said that, what, what are you hearing South America-wise with their harvests as their crops continue? Soybean harvest continues to progress in Brazil. Their persistent wetness is actually creating some problems in the southern part of Brazil where drought was a problem for so long during the growing season. So drought reduced yields sharply during the growing season. Now they're having trouble harvesting the crop because of persistent wetness. And it's getting to the point now they're starting to be concerned about some of those pods popping open and losing beans on the ground. We've certainly seen that at times here in the United States. Um, further south in Argentina, we're seeing production estimates ratchet down because of the adverse weather they've had through the growing season. If you look at the next 30 days, it looks like Argentina is going to have some better chances of rainfall to finish off the crop. They've harvested about a quarter of the corn and soybean crops to this point, roughly. Um, so, but they still have a lot left, and it's the double crop soybeans that are most at risk right now. But it looks like more rainfall. Some areas still seeing lingering dryness. But the bigger concern is the safrina corn crop, which really looked good on the 1st of April. But starting last few days of March, the pattern started really turning drier in the northern half of the safrina corn belt. And that has continued to be the case. And just looking at the 30-day outlook on the European models um, this week, it looks like that's going to continue to be the case right on into May when the rainy period tends to end anyway. So we'll probably take the top off that crop. All right. Lots of great things we talked about, Arlen. Best way for folks to get a hold of you? StoneX.com or over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell, where commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.